Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm happy to welcome back Bruno Van Tocum, co-founder and CEO of 28 Health, and I'm a trusted partner to talk about their telemedicine company and the work that they're doing to improve health outcomes in women's health. Bruno, welcome back. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back, Sam. And I'm so excited to have this conversation um, because not only is 28 Health a trusted partner, but it's also really an ally in serving marginalized communities of color and underserved, under-resourced communities. And you guys have been incredibly busy over the last year. Um, so can before we jump in, can you just give everybody a reminder of what 28 Health is and what you've been up to uh, and the work you're really doing in the women's health space? No, of course. So 28 is the first digital health platform really focused on underserved women. Um, we offer telemedicine services, we offer medication delivery, and we offer what we call um, ongoing care. So all our users, after receiving, let's say, a script for birth control and receiving the medication at home, they can message doctors anytime with any questions, with any other needs. Um, we also have the ability to refer those people to in-person doctors. So a big, big part of what we offer is increased access to services we have, but also help um, our users um, invest more in in-person preventative services like annual well, well woman exam. Last year was indeed very busy. Um, we uh, we did a lot of things. We launched a lot of new healthcare offerings. So right now on 28, you can have access to contraception, to emergency contraception, to condoms, to herpes treatment, to prenatal vitamins. Um, and we just launched last week uh, medication abortion in California and New York uh, to start with. And then from there, we'll continue to expand, you know, hopefully to as many states as we can, where of course it's fully legal. And generally we want to be the most comprehensive um, reproductive and sexual health platform. So a big priority in front of us is continue to launch new healthcare offerings across contraception, STI, preconception, prenatal, and postnatal. So expect to see a lot more new products and services coming to light. Another um, big area of progress we did last year, and most of it will become public actually in the next few months, is partnering and helping payers, including some in Illinois, uh, Medicaid payers, um, improve access for the members. And so we are currently actually redlining many, many contracts with many Medicaid plans in different markets. Um, and I'm super excited about that. I think it's a big part of what we do. We started 28 more focus on direct consumer, which we continue to do. It's it's working extremely well that we continue in the future. But in addition to that, we know that many underserved women um, might be on Medicaid and you know don't always have uh, an easy access to healthcare services. And I think health plans are among the first to recognize that. Um, and so we uh, yeah will become 
sort of the digital health partner of many MCOs uh, in the months and, and years to come. The many other things, but I think one more I would highlight is we, uh, you may have seen the news, we recently closed um, a pre-Series A of $8.3 million, um, which also kept us busy, especially end of last year. And we're very grateful. We attracted um, a lot of really mission-aligned investors, some actually based in Illinois, like Impact Engine, uh, which is an amazing impact-focused fund. Uh, but many other investors across the country, RH Capital, CIA Ventures, Acumen America, the California Healthcare Foundation, just to name a few. And then our existing investors also strongly participate into the run, which is always kind of a great validation of like, a mix of people who know you well, continue to trust you, and then you know the ability to uh, start to partner with with new investors. So um, those are the three I would I would pick. You know, new healthcare offerings, payer partnerships, and fundraising. And those are huge things. Um, and what I really love is just the acknowledgement that women and, and people in general in under-resourced communities have a hard, harder time accessing preventative healthcare. Um, and what we see time and time again is that if it is treatment for chronic or an acute condition, members are more willing to travel um, further, difference, further distances because they're actually, you know, treating something, but for preventative healthcare, they're less likely to do so. And so having this telehealth platform where you can, you know, it's not like you're actually engaging and interacting with a doctor and you're going through, you know, on the contraception side, like actual contraception counseling and discussion, as opposed to my friends on this birth control pill, I'll be on, I'll try that, you know, because I do think that support and making sure that folks are getting the appropriate contraception for their needs. Um, and then also able to reach back out and say, wait, this isn't really working. The side effects are, um, you know, not really something that I can handle. Can we try something else? And that relationship um, is critical for improved outcomes. And my understanding is you guys over at 28 Health have like wonderful patient satisfaction information um, and outcomes on top of everything you're already doing, um, which is a huge, um, you know, success as well. So, totally. And I think that's also why we see so much interest from, from health plans. I'm going to share like one data that I think is, um, you know, kind of speaks for itself is uh, maybe two. One is um, we're really good to your point at helping the most underserved communities get better access. And, on average, about 65% of our users, um, you know, identify as as low income, whether whether they they are uninsured or on Medicaid. So, it's not just we say that we focus on underserved communities, like we truly do, and it shows in the numbers. And I think that's very unique um, if you look at if you look at the market. Similar with uh, rural communities, where there are a lot of research that show that telehealth is supposed to be mostly helping rural communities, people who live further away from, from doctors, from clinics, from health services. But in practice, adoption of telehealth is really high also among more affluent urban population. But that's not the case at 28. At 28, we have 59% uh, of our users actually live in non-urban settings. 
And then the third one is most people who use us, and it's about two thirds, did not have access to, for example, contraception before they came onto it. So it's not just, of course, it's a lot more convenient. And if you already know you are on a method that works for you, or you are getting herpes treatment, or you, you are you know picking up uh, prenatal vitamins from a local pharmacy, like, yes, you can use 28 and you will get the convenience and the affordability, and it's great. But on top of it, our focus is really helping people get access first time around. Um, and about two thirds of our users did not have access uh, to contraception when they signed up for 28. And that's one of the, um, the, the aspects that payers really love is that like, yeah, I know that a big chunk of my membership is not easily accessing services they need. And I see that 28 can really help me move the needle on that. And of course, better access leads to better outcomes and leads to cost savings. There's plenty of research about that. And I love that because so often there's this fear that telehealth is going to come in and it's going to sort of augment or take patients away from doctors, you know, that are in the community and, and they're going to be, you know, seeing doctors elsewhere. But that's not really what we're seeing with 28 Health. What we're seeing is, is people who do not have access today having access and really sort of extending and expanding um you know, access and availability to the healthcare, you know, to healthcare for low-income individuals. And that's our goal, right? Like our goal isn't to augment or to sort of transfer somebody who's seeing Dr. Smith down the street to move them over to 28 Health. That doesn't do us any good. What we want to do is say, okay, where are people who don't have any access at all and can we give them some access? And the other thing that I think is just so important to do is that 28 Health will refer to local doctors um, when telehealth isn't the right modality or perhaps long acting um, contraception is the right choice for that member. And clearly you can't do that via telehealth, sort of that referral to community providers as well. And I think that's just a strong partnership that really speaks to the success both from a patient satisfaction perspective, but also from why payers would be interested because we're not interested in disrupting existing relationships, but we're incredibly interested in increasing availability and access. 100%. And we, we say it, we write it in contracts and we do it, which I think is a big difference. So for example, um, Exactly what you said, like to payers, we say, yes, we, we'll increase access to all the services on 28. I mean, that's a no brainer. That's that's sort of, you know, uh, what do we do in the first place? But on top of it, to your point, like we will help members and so many members don't have a PCP or maybe they, they have one, but they visit the PCP every three to five years and not every year. Um, maybe they have an OB, but many do not. So, uh, so the data you see is that especially in low income communities, um, Many people may have the first prenatal visit in the second trimester, um, which again research shows has you know impact on on health outcomes both for the the mom and the baby, and so that's some of the things we help on. Like we help you know payers and members engage very early on with PCPs, with OBs, and then yeah, of course we do refer um, in person, and we put that as a KPI in contracts with payers and. We get incentivized, right? We're like, we'll deliver and we'll get you X percent improvement on, um, 
your members having your pregnant members having their first prenatal visit in first trimester. We will put a KPI on, you know, percentage improvement of your members who have PCP visits every year. Um, so we put our money really where our mouth is, and and that's very important. Like the and to your point, like so many people who used to one year just didn't have access in the first place. So honestly, we're not taking any business away or very minimal disruption to what's happening in person. We're actually helping drive more engagement to both digital and in-person preventative services. And I'll just say, building upon what you outlined there, Bruno, is we are even seeing in more resourced communities, longer delays in appointment times. And part just because of the healthcare workforce shortage and just the strain and people, you know, the last three years have been incredibly difficult. And so people are leaving the space. I mean, it's just become more complex. And so if we're seeing, you know, delays in and sort of longer wait times for appointments in resource communities, we all know study after study shows that is um, exponentially larger in under-resourced communities. And so, a resource like 28 Health is um, so much more critical in a time where we just are seeing these challenges and really sort of closing that gap. Yes, and I think that's, I mean, the that's so many ways that I think telehealth can be helpful. One of the ways we haven't talked about to your point is um, optimizing the usage of resources. And for many things that are, you know, um, where the standard of care can be the same online, you know, uh, script like refilling a script or birth control prescription, or somebody who's been diagnosed with herpes, they you know they know exactly what they need. Or for simple questions that don't like, we have so many questions about healthcare. Like you, you go see a doctor, you spend just a few minutes with the doctor. Um, many questions can actually be just answered online or can be answered with you know some medical information that you can provide online. So like, and that's also why. Uh, many doctors and clinics actually like 28 because they are like, okay, for for things where the standard of care is the same and it's kind of low equity events, makes a lot more sense to offer the convenience and you're yeah, taking away, um, you know, you're yeah, freeing up some of my capacity to be spent on more complex care that needs to happen in person. So I think it can really work. We see a lot more of what we call, you know, hybrid models, right? And that's what we're trying to build at 28 and we do it through partnerships. We're currently not... We have no plans to open, you know, in-person clinics. We think there are a lot of amazing in-person uh, clinics and clinicians that we can leverage. And so we are building partnerships with them, We're also leveraging uh, the network that payers have built. They've spent years building amazing network of in-person providers that we can just leverage. Oh, I love that. And I hadn't thought of that, Bruno. It's so, and it makes so much sense because we hear about that so often now that portals have made doctors so much more accessible, which is wonderful, but it also means that then they're getting so much, so many more questions and and some of them are more complex and they require like, okay, yeah, we need you to come in. We need to sort of look at that further, but some of them, you know, are definitely more um, that perhaps... A, a different entity like 28 Health can sort of assist and sort of streamline their their workflow um, and help members make sure and, and patients make sure they feel heard, supported, are getting accurate clinical advice. But you know, not something that necessarily needs to go um, you know to an in person visit and all of that. So I love that 
recognition as well of really that reducing of burden on our community health care providers as well. Well, Bruno, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. This has been incredible. I, I love always hearing everything that 28 Health is doing, um, but every year hearing more about your stats, your patient satisfaction, sort of how you're expanding and growing, um, and really excited to have you, you know, in this Medicaid space. Um, I, I'm just so grateful for all that you're doing and really sort of moving the ball forward in healthcare access and availability. So I can't wait to have you back to chat more about everything that is sort of going on in the 28 Health universe. No, thank you. Thank you for having us. We're very happy to be, you know, partners of AMHEP. I think there's uh, incredible work that you do in Illinois, and we have many great payer and other types of partners in in the state and uh yeah a lot a lot to come in 2023 absolutely and to our listeners to learn more about what imip is doing to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one and to learn more about becoming a trusted partner like 28 health we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.org and of course don't forget to like and follow us on facebook linkedin and twitter I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the Sam and Sam says, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.